Welcome to the With Beth podcast. I'm Beth Levis, creator of edible collagen brand by Beth. Like so many of us, I've always been intrigued by stories of empowerment. Whether that story is about career, business, a health challenge, or a more personal journey. I deeply admire those who can overcome obstacles and come out on top. So please join me as I speak to some incredible Australians who have inspiring experiences to share. Today I'm chatting with Amanda Bisk, a former Commonwealth Games pole vaulter and now exercise physiologist, elite athletics coach, social media darling, and founder of training app Fresh Body Fit Mind. While she's truly landed on her feet today, along the way Amanda was forced to abandon her thriving sports career and had to overcome depression and chronic fatigue to get to where she is. In this episode, Amanda will open up about her journey and explain how it became her greatest source of empowerment. So welcome, Amanda. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you. Um, Yeah, good. Can't complain. (laughs) I am really excited, I have to be honest, because your page is something that I watch in awe and wish and dream in my mind that I could achieve those things. So uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Thank you so much. So my first question for you is, you know, when did you first discover that you were naturally athletic and how did you harness that talent from an early age? Um, Well, I actually got into fitness really early on in life. I think I was two and a half or maybe three when my dad put me in gymnastics. I was definitely put in sport very early. So I think maybe I had natural talent, but I think also because I was put in sports so early, you know, I learned physical fitness and coordination and all those things really young. So growing up, I did notice that, you know, I was talented in being able to move my body and be coordinated and things like that. So I think all through school, even in kindy and stuff, yeah, I just really loved moving my body because I knew I was good at it and I, and I was aware. So yeah, it was almost like, I kind of haven't known any other way, which is kind of weird. And saying that I can relate, I mean, obviously I do not have your level of athleticism, but my parents were big believers in sports. So they had me playing all a variety of sport from a very young age and same with my siblings. And so I have an incredible appreciation for what it does physically for us, but also mentally. So I can relate on that level, but not to your extent, definitely not. You know, something else I can relate to really is covid took sport away from kids, uh, from all of us. And so I could really see the values that it gave my children mentally and physically when it actually was taken away from them during COVID. So my appreciation for sport uh, dramatically increased post-COVID, that is for sure. But what I want to talk about is the Commonwealth Games in 2010. You competed in them. That must have been just the most incredible experience. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you prepared in the lead up and what it was like on the day? It's actually funny because, of course, the the competition was absolutely incredible and I, I really made sure I was present. But I think I was extra aware to really appreciate it because my preparation actually wasn't that great. It wasn't what I dreamed of. It wasn't the way I wanted it to go. I actually was injured. I think it was about two months leading into the game. So I injured my foot and then... Once I'd semi kind of recovered from that injury, I competed in a competition in Italy and I actually had a fall into the pit or into the box where you put the pole. So it's a fall from, you know, about four meters, which is 
pretty daunting. And I actually injured my upper body. So then I wasn't actually able to train a month leading into the games. So it wasn't until I actually got into the village, which was a week before the competition where I was actually able to pole vault. So definitely not the best preparation. It tested me physically. It tested me mentally. I just remember it being such a scattered time and I just felt so underprepared. And I think when I finally had the opportunity to walk into the stadium, I was just like, I'm so thankful to be here. It could have been so easily this injury could have happened, you know, the week before the Com Games and I wouldn't have even been there. So to walk in, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to live every moment, whatever happens, happens. And I'm just going to soak it all up because this couldn't have, you know, might have not happened at all. Yeah. And I think what, what I'd love to find out more there is what sort of things did you do mentally in order to prepare yourself for the day? You said you weren't able to physically train for the month prior. And I know if for anything that I'm preparing for, if I'm not able to prepare, it would give me a lot of anxiety. What did you do as an athlete to make sure that you were mentally prepared if you weren't able to physically prepare? I think my mental state is very much connected to my physical state. So if, if I mentally could just kind of come up with a plan of action in, you know, the first injury, I wasn't able to use my foot. So it would be just coming up with things that I could do that didn't involve my feet, whether that would be training exercises or, you know, just like mental imagery, or would that be eating a bit better or maybe studying my jumps more technically. So. I think if I had that plan of action, I just mentally felt so much more secure and felt like that I was still doing something, which I think helped me a lot. And then of course, like confiding in my coach, confiding in my teammates, probably especially my coach, because he had been there. He'd been in a very similar position to me. So to be able to talk to someone who had kind of gone through it and to hear how he did it, how he mentally kind of positioned himself, I think that really helped a lot as well. I find that really incredible because I think, you know, if that was me, I probably would have given up. And the fact that you didn't, it it was just absolutely incredible because that would have taken so much mental stamina just to persist and persevere, knowing that you weren't able to prepare in the way that you wanted to. So then you came back from the Commonwealth Games with your sights set on competing at the London Olympics. You'd even begun your first block of training, but then things took a turn for the worse. Can you tell us a little bit about this time in your life? Sure. Um, So yeah, I came back from Com Games and with the preparation that I had, I was actually pretty proud of how I competed at the Com Games. I ended up jumping the third highest height, but I came sixth in countback. I was just like, you know what? I have a really good chance of making the Olympic team and doing well if I was able to compete like that with the most horrible preparation, I think I'm going to do really well. So I was really confident and really excited to get into training. We'd come back and we had two weeks off, which was awesome. It's probably the most amount of time I've ever had of sport. (laughs) But yeah, two weeks off and then coming back, I just kind of noticed I wasn't the same. I, I don't know, wasn't recovering right. I just mentally couldn't get in the zone. I was pulling up tired and sore and just kind of started to feel really drained. And I really didn't know what it was. And at first I was just trying to cut back on training a little bit, spoke to my coach a bit and just, Hey, can I have an extra day off here? I just feel like I'm not recovering. And we kind of did that, but nothing was really helping. 
And then, yeah, each week that went past, you know, I started to get into our competition season here in Australia. I just felt this like stress and pressure that I wasn't training well and that I wasn't feeling right, not the way that I should, especially after com games and kind of thinking that, hey, I'm on the right track, you know, I'm taking the right steps to get to London. This was dragged on for months and months and months. And it it wasn't until probably about three months after the Com Games that I decided to go see a doctor. The doctor really couldn't tell me what was going on. I went through a whole bunch of blood tests and all sorts of things. Um, they couldn't really find anything. So I went to specialists and long story short, eventually I got diagnosed with chronic fatigue. It was a real kick in the guts. I didn't really know anything about it. And I was just so upset that I just didn't feel normal and that nobody could tell me why I was feeling the way I was feeling. Eventually, I ended up giving up the sport. At the time, I didn't really know it was my retirement, but I decided to stop and to give my body a rest because I think in the long run, I kind of thought if I push too hard and I completely cook myself here, I I might not even be able to do like general fitness when I'm older, which I think would absolutely kill me. So yeah, I took the decision to give it up, step away and focus on recovering and getting better. I can imagine as an athlete, that's actually a really hard decision to make to make a decision to actually give it up, to be able to focus on your health. Do you agree? Was that a really difficult decision to make at the time? Oh, 100%. Um, I mean, if anyone listening uh, has been in sport, especially elite sport, they would understand that it is your whole life. It is your identity. It's all the energy, all the commitment that you've put in all your life. And then to have that taken away and to especially make the decision to take it away from yourself, I think is really difficult. I know that it was probably one of the worst times of my life because I just felt so lost and I didn't know who I was without sport. And yeah, it was definitely my low point. For most people, people were just like, oh, it's it's like sport, whatever. Like it's fitness, you find something else to do. But I think when it's your whole life for so long, um, yeah, it's a, it's a huge deal. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, something I touched on earlier with one of my children, that this was something that was really brought to light during COVID. I didn't realize how much he depended on sport. And once that was taken away from him, he actually dived into full-blown depression. And something I'm sure if I wanted to, I could have gone down the medication route. It, it was that bad for him. It really shone a light on how much something can be so important to someone and can be their whole life, as you discussed. And when it's taken away, it can have a huge, you know, mental side effects, which is something I want to talk about further depression. You've also opened up in the past about your experiences with depression. Can you tell us how you manage your mental health now? I think the biggest thing with me, my personality is very much a person who kind of doesn't really open up unless I need to. Um, I'm a person who will kind of nut things out and just, you know, just work my way through it on my own. I can handle this. Um, I don't need to tell people that I'm sad or upset or something's hard. I know that's like really difficult for me. Definitely one of the tools that I use now is communication and it's still not a really easy thing. I definitely notice at times, you know, when I do go through tough pages that I shut off and, you know, I step away and I don't admit that I'm actually struggling. 
So I definitely try and be aware of that and make sure that I'm talking to people, whether that be my partner, my parents, my friends, whoever that is. I make sure that communication is kind of like my number one step. I think that's the most important because as soon as you communicate and you either verbally or even written express what you're feeling, it's kind of off your shoulders. It's out of your body. You're not bottling it up. So that's like a huge thing for me. Another thing is definitely making sure I incorporate things into my day that make me happy. And I know it's really difficult for all of us, I think, sometimes to try and fit everything into a day, especially when we're working really hard towards our goals. And sometimes that can get get in the way and you get to the end of the day and you just realized, hey, I've been working all day. I haven't seen the sunlight I haven't listened to a favorite song that I have. I haven't actually sat and did a meditation or whatever it is. I think it's so important, even if it's like the tiniest thing that just makes your soul happy. I think it's important to incorporate that every day. Finally, physical and mental is so intertwined in our bodies. I think for me personally, to physically move my body, that is the best mental therapy. So I definitely make sure that I incorporate some sort of movement into my day especially those days where I am really struggling mentally and I really feel like, you know, I'm not okay. That's, I think, the most important time for me to be able to move and get those endorphins flowing and um, just give back to my body and mind. (laughs) By Beth is an Australian edible beauty brand that celebrates local ingredients and sustainable practices. All of our formulations use 100% Australian bovine collagen, which is clinically proven to hydrate the skin from within, strengthen hair and nails, and support overall gut health. Grass-fed and pasture-raised, our collagen is of the highest quality available. We also use native Australian botanical extracts selected for their antioxidant properties. By turning our attention to the abundance of Australia, we support the local economy and have full transparency over our supply chain. Taking our collagen couldn't be easier. Simply add to your favorite drink, stir to dissolve and sip. At ByBeth, our biggest beauty inspiration is nature. So our packaging materials have been selected for their environmental credentials and minimal footprint. All of our products are plastic free and our signature vessel is refillable. We invite you to welcome in a new ritual and watch your beauty abound. I can appreciate everything that you've just said and each of the points you just made, I've got, you know, personal experiences, but on the the latter one, the the important message of get your body moving and the effects that that movement has on the mind is so important and something I'm trying to educate my teenage daughters on, particularly my eldest who doesn't want to move anymore and actually struggles sometimes with her emotions. But um, I'm the same as you and same with my husband. We exercise every day for overall health and mental health. Like it's so important and the impact it has on our mind and body. For me, it's not just the science, you know, proof is in the pudding. It's something I experience every day. And really valid points there too about um, making sure you incorporate something that makes you truly happy every day, even if it's five minutes or 15 minutes, or if it's, you know, sometimes for me, it's just walking the dogs around the block. It's really peaceful. Or if I've got time in infrared sauna, I love. It's really an understatement to say that you are an inspiration and epitomize what empowerment looks like. Many people would have given up a long time ago. With the amount of obstacles you had, I'm not sure I would have continued, to be really honest. So what kept you fighting? That's what I want to find out. What kept you fighting? What kept you strong, even though your body and your mental health at times were not? What what really moved you? I think I'm very lucky just to kind of have a mindset where I try and focus on the positive. And I think that was really instilled in me 
when I was younger. Obviously, you go through challenging points in your life and sometimes you get to those mental kind of positions and times where you really do think that what's the point? You kind of catch yourself in this really negative mental state. But I think incorporating tools and like I mentioned, the things or the tools that I use to try and get out of negative mental state, the more and more we can incorporate them into our lives, I think that really helps to change our state of mind. I mean, I've done a lot of reading about you know, how strong the mind is and how much we can actually get through, whether that be physically or mentally, if we can just be in the right frame of mind. Doing a lot of reading about that topic helped me a lot. And I think at the end of the day, that's what's kept me going is positivity and just understanding that my mental state determines how I experience my day. So if I am having a real shitty day and it's just not going the way I want, it's okay to kind of accept that and be sad about that, be angry about it, be upset, be, you know, down. But I think it's also up to us to pull ourselves out of that state as well. And I think that recognition and that acknowledgement has helped me personally. It's just understanding that, Mentally, I'm in control. And the more I can direct the way I think, the more control or the more opportunity there is to have a good day and to push through hard things. Yeah. And, you know, another way of saying that I think is turning every experience into a positive experience, learning from them. You know, we're all going to go through experiences. And if we can find the good in it, from the small things to the large things that, like you said, it can just really help turn your day around. Really great advice. Thank you. So you talked about your childhood and obviously you were taught discipline and hard work as a child. Has this helped when life becomes challenging? Definitely. I think discipline is so important to a certain extent. I think it is such a great tool. Discipline teaches us routine and mental strength. I think discipline also helps you kind of find different paths when something happens or goes wrong. So I think it's awesome to always kind of have a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, like just know that there's always a possibility to go in a different direction. And I think discipline definitely helps to direct you in that path. And you kind of have the tools to be like, no, like I can do this. I can find another way to do this. I can push through this and I'll get there in the end. It might not be the way that I thought originally. I'll find another way to get there. Really great advice. And I was going to ask on that note, do you use exercise to help you with that? How do you find exercise helps you with that form of uh, finding another way, finding another path and realizing that you actually can do something? Well, number one, I think exercise opens up different kind of neural pathways, definitely moving and getting those hormones flowing and your blood flowing helps you think in different ways. And I know a lot of times when I feel mentally stuck or stagnant, even just going for a walk and whether it's listening to music or just listening to the sounds outside, just that movement and that stimulation physically really helps me think differently as well. Yeah. So it definitely helps a lot. Yeah, mental strength and physical strength, they really do go hand in hand. What advice would you give to others to be open to change and open to reinvention, turning those low points that you discussed into high points, turning the low points into amazing opportunities, turning those experiences around to be a positive experience instead of a negative experience? What advice would you give us there or anyone that's going through that low time? I think it's just always important to remember that 
life is always a journey. There's never really an end point. You know, we have goals and dreams and we're like, oh, if I achieve this or if I get this or whatever it is, oh, I'm going to be so happy and I'll be happy for the rest of my life when it's not really the case. Like, yes, you can achieve something and it'll be amazing and you'll feel great. But after that point, you have a new goal and a new dream. So the same is with like good and bad days. Like you have an amazing day, but then maybe the next day might not be so great. So I think it's really important to remember that, you know, if you are in a down down patch, um, whether that's a day, whether it's a week, whether it's a month, it will be over. You will see the light. And the most important thing is that if you can kind of control the way you mentally approach things and just have awareness as well, just awareness of where you are and how you're feeling. I think that's the most important. So if you know you're in a down patch, accept it. It's okay to feel bad. It's okay to feel sad. We're humans. We're allowed to feel emotions and give yourself that time to acknowledge it and to feel that emotion. And then know that you have the power to get out of it and to be able to change your mental state. And even just the smallest positive thought that can be the seed that will spread to everything else in your life. So even if you just find one small thing to be positive about something that you really love or whatever it is, I think you will really find that that will spread into everywhere else in your life. And um, yeah, definitely change, change your day or your week or your month or whatever it is. I think that's really powerful messaging there, you know, awareness, acknowledgement, and then uh, it's a force for change. Being an authentic and successful social media influencer is not an easy task. How did you uh, start to build your platform on Instagram? You have now over 640,000 followers, which is huge. Yeah, it's actually a funny story. So I started Instagram a long time ago. It was like 2013. Um, So it was almost when Instagram was kind of firing up here in Australia, I guess. So I just started, it was just a social thing. My friends had it and I just thought I'd get it, you know, just because everyone else had it, I guess. I ended up starting to explore a little bit more into yoga and meditation and um, just different ways I was using fitness to get better because at this time I was recovering from chronic fatigue. So I started to just share things that I was learning and that I was experiencing. So whether that was a yoga posture or a quote that I had come across or whatever it was, I started to share that on my account. And I just found that people resonated with it. They kind of connected with what I was sharing. I just noticed that it really helped people connect and to to start conversation and to explore feelings and whatever they're going through. So I thought this is actually a really cool thing. It's a really awesome way to be able to connect with people. So I just started posting more and more. And um, as I was growing and learning about you know, new ways of movement or new things that were helping me, I thought, hey, why not share this and um, see what everyone else thinks? And then, yeah, it just honestly grew from there. It was a very a slow burn. I don't think there was e- ever one point where it was like, oh, bang, like 400,000 people overnight. It was definitely a slow burn and just like a really organic and like natural kind of drive to connect with people because obviously being out of sport, I'd lost connection to my previous community, which was the sporting community. So to find this other amazing community online, yeah, I really loved it. And that's, yeah, that's how it grew. 
you must get a lot of your community interacting with you. Do you, do you get that nearly on a daily basis or do you get inundated or you, what, what level of interaction do you have with your community? Um, yeah, I definitely, I get messages every day, some days more than others, but I wouldn't say it's like super crazy, <laughs> but it's nice. It's so nice. And obviously on my side, it can be very overwhelming because yes, you do get a lot of good messages, but you get a lot of tough messages as well. People going through things and they're asking for your support or for your help. And sometimes you just can't help. So that's really hard. So I think for me personally, um, it's really important to be able to step away from the space and just understand that I can't help everyone. And that's kind of what it was at the beginning is that I really wanted to do my best and to be there for people. But that also, you know, empties your cup and it drains you as well. It takes your energy. So I've kind of realized that over the years now. Um, It definitely was a process to understand that. But I know now and at the end of the day, I love the con- connection. I'm just so thankful and appreciative for all these people who are interested in my life and what I'm sharing. So, you know, the least I can do is to message back or chat back or do a live or whatever it is. And um, yeah, and be there for them as well. I'm sure they hugely appreciate that. I know we all want to feel connected, particularly after COVID. Thank you for sharing your stories today. Your stories of empowerment are incredible. You're an inspiration. I've absolutely loved talking about it and your journey with you today. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And um, I'm sure the community will as well, because we all find inspiration in stories of empowerment. But yours is, yours is incredible. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the With Beth podcast. For show notes and more information about today's podcast and by Beth, head to www.bybeth.com.